Hey everyone, and welcome to The Seed. We are changing over to a new podcast show that is more reflective of where I am in life. Ironically, The Seed was planted by every guest that I had on my Homes and Hops podcast. So listen in, subscribe, and comment on my new monthly podcast, The Seed, which stems from Dandelion Discussions, all about women empowerment, entrepreneurship, and objectives that are often planted in us. Our guest stories are here to inspire, educate, and most importantly, to let you know you are not alone. Hey everyone, Lisa Resnick here with The Seed, and I am sitting with author Jalisa Dallas. She wrote the book Soul Work, which is an absolutely beautiful book. It really, truly is. And I love, and we'll get more into it, like how you decided to structure the book, because I'm very curious and how it was all laid out. But let me further tell you who Jalisa is. Now, this is just what you would find online. She's going to tell us a little bit more in depth afterwards. So she is an educator, soul work coach, certified DEI professional, which is, what does that stand for? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And which we're going to find out what made you go into that realm, as well as an ideation consultant. Yes. So I... um, I took the Gallup Mm -hmm. test and ideation was one of my strong suits. And so when I saw on your bio ideation consultant, I was like, hmm. So of course I like deep dived into it, (laughs) which is completely amazing. So an ideation consultant is someone who takes the ideas of other businesses or individuals and helps them scale to actually achieving the goal and end result. Yes, ma'am. That's awesome. So we're going to find out how you got into that as well. For sure. So you're a speaker, a leader, and a training facilitator. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, so Jalisa, how how did all this happen for you? Um, it happened on a downward spiral, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> When I came to know myself and aha, here I am, poof. No, um, so goodness, sometimes I I struggle with where to start because my journey has been a little bit all over the place. So you were two years old. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) And I was born in Texas and eventually I moved uh, to California, grew up in California, uh, raised by a single parent. And um, I was always very like shy, meek, mild, didn't really put myself out there. I did what I was supposed to do, supposed to do because, you know, I was very aware of the con- consequences, okay. things in my life. Um, high school, great, a little bit of a nerd. I spent yeah. some of my lunch breaks in the library, I'll admit. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think they allowed us to do that at my high school. Yeah, like when my core group of friends weren't there for whatever reason, I was just kind of trying to figure out where to go. So I was like, I'll just go to the library and I would grab a book. I love that. I wish I was able because I was a little bit of a nerd myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wish I had that opportunity for sitting by yourself at a table. Yes. I like that. Mm -hmm. I really do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and so after that, uh, my mom told me that there was no other option except for me to go to college. So yep. that's where I went. Um, I'm actually a first generation college student. Yay. So um, and be it that I also came from a low income background, mm-hmm. I participated in a program called Student Support Services that supported 
students of that sort. So, so I had uh, I participated in Summer Bridge program to help me transition okay. into college. Phenomenal, which is how I got into theater arts because that is my bachelor's theater arts and communication studies with a psychology minor. And so I fell in love with theater arts. I was in a show pretty much every semester in undergrad. And I think that's where I started to gain my voice. Um, in so, the what, of, go so ahead. what did you do on stage? A little bit of everything. One of my favorite shows was called Theater Smash. Okay. Where I had the opportunity to my, my tryout, if you will, or... Uh, my presentation to get in to the show was to I mashed up like a song and like a poem together. And that poem, Phenomenal Woman, actually happened to be what was end up being used in the show. And That's so awesome. we did everything from stepping in the show to gosh, oh, I, I there was so much. We had so many fun colors. It was just literally a, a smash up of all different types of genres of performance, poetry, song, dance, um, everything. What was it like for you? Because <laughs> because listen, I know people think that I'm, I'm very outgoing, but I actually am very intimidated by the stage. Mm, okay, and so what? What helped you get over the shy girl Mm -hmm. to becoming the one with the spotlight on stage? Because help me, help me here. What advice do you have? It was a character I was portraying, so I had to show up in the fullness of that character. uh, To where I was also in the uh, crucible as uh, Tituba, I believe it's called. Okay, the like conjuring person. Yes. Um, and to the point to where I had to make myself cry during some wow. of those moments. Like I just got fully into the character that I was playing. And so, um, I guess like the whole Sasha Fierce thing, it's like the yes. alter ego that comes out outside of just, okay, well, I'm pretty cool, pretty chill. Most occasions I'll just observe, mm-hmm. but sometimes I want to come out. So it, I don't know, maybe I have this like alter thing that when I have to show up, I just show up and do it. I I haven't figured out how to create an alter ego. And like when Beyonce, when she, I think she's <laughs> the first person I heard being interviewed and saying that she has this whole Sasha Fierce and mm-hmm. that's like her, her stage mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, gosh, if I could just snap my fingers and just be somebody else up there, how amazing and, and much easier would that be? But I haven't figured out that hump mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think, and I, I, what I have found for myself is when I have accepted the fullness of who I am. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like me that can show up in a room. Oh. I I can't. If there's any place I'm going into, I'm looking to what can I give, not necessarily what can I get. It's true because if I'm there, my presence is necessary. It's true. So I love that. Yeah. I do. I absolutely love that. Somebody <laughs> else said that to me before. And it is definitely one of those easier said than done because mm-hmm. I do. I get in my head. Mm-hmm. And You're not alone. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing. Hence the reason why I keep asking about beta blockers. But I actually never made the call. <laughs> but, but I'm definitely inquisitive. So that's amazing. So then after? After college. Well, while in college, um, this is where kind of like... Oh, 
I guess you could say not necessarily the downward spiral because it didn't start this way, but this is where I started to get back into my shell mm-hmm. um, and and become very self conscious. Uh, I had got into a relationship with a guy that ended up becoming my first marriage. Okay, and so um, why is a man always involved? because at the time like i i he made me feel so appreciated Mm -hmm. so loved so valued i'm like hmm i think i think this might be a good fit and he just fit where i was in life Mm -hmm. and so it ended up working i saw so much opportunity potential he was military so i'm like oh i can travel the world and it just it just worked out um and he just had the right kind of swagger now you wouldn't believe me when I say swagger, that he was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed German guy that spoke oh, fluent that's, German. That's amazing. <laughs> so no, I cannot picture a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Yes. yes. German guy uh, mm-hmm. having yes. swag. <laughs> yes. Yes. Full-on swag. So that, it, it was something, I think we found something different in each other that we had never experienced before. Okay. And so, yeah, that was a, a 10-year relationship that um didn't end very well we both at the end of the day wanted very different things um no children no grandiose things well you must have been married young 20 yes 20 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's young Mm -hmm. at least to me that's young Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so in that relationship because i didn't know myself fully i gave everything that i had to that relationship to him. So I poured into his career and Mm -hmm. all the things where, you know, he, he rose up in the ranks in in his career and accomplished all the things. Granted, I went to grad school, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, if you will. Um, I ended up getting a full-time job, worked at um, Hampton University and, and uh, I had actually transitioned to after California to Virginia. Oh. And so I know, I think my, (laughs) Yes. You, you lived there before? <laughs> yes. I get so excited. <laughs> yes. I was born in California, too. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. But I grew up here in okay. Ohio, so. Okay. Like, how, how how Ohio gets into the mix of all of this out of the grandioseness of the California of the East Coast? <laughs> I know. there There's definitely a pattern that occurs. Yeah. 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 So that happened, and I really, because I had invested so much, I lost who I was. So I was in a place of rebuilding for myself. Mm-hmm. And so in that space, um, I, I started to rediscover who I was. Um, faith became really strong because I kind of got a little off kilter and kind of, nah, I, I could figure things out. But I, I ended up coming back to faith uh, loving Christ even more, finding just the fullness of who I who I am as a result of faith, um, and then um, connected with my now husband, which led me here to Ohio. <laughs> That's what we do. That's how I brought my husband in. He's a New Yorker. So, okay. Now, now an Ohioan. Okay. I mean, his license at least, but. <laughs> But yeah, so um, I, I wanted to tell the that the story of that journey of me finding the fullness of who I am. But I knew at the core of it, I was getting in my own way. Mm-hmm. I was the one that was blocking my own progress because I kept letting my past show up in my present. And it was starting to knock on the door of my future. And I was like, I can't let that happen anymore. I have full control over how I show up 
and of the experiences that I create for myself. And so it, it wasn't the book I originally wanted to write. I wanted to write about business and the ebbs and flows and the things that I was experiencing. So what's amazing about this <laughs> and what you do in the book, Soul Work, you do, you do focus in on self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And you said, you're like, I wanted to focus in on business. Now, my mindset is I'm reading this and I'm reading it as the impact of self-sabotage in my success in Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So I do think that you hit that note. And I think that there's also such a connectivity between our personal and our professional worlds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is very meshed together. I mean, people talk about car pump. I always have a hard time saying this word carpentmentalizing mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. Like here's our little bucket over here of our business connections. Here's our little bucket over here mm-hmm. of our neighborhood connections and bucket, so on and so forth with everything. Yes. But in reality, it really all spills together. Yes. And I and that's really what got me because I was finding myself bleeding onto mm-hmm. my business because I wasn't operating in integrity because I was saying all the stuff, giving all the information, but was I actually implementing it in my business or just kind of putting on a facade because I was wearing a mask to try to hide everything else that I was dealing with. Yes. So it it, it needed to come out. And granted, I was able to, you know, plug in little pieces in, here and there. But when I did the soul work for me as an individual, then I was able to transition. Okay, well, what does soul work look like in business? Yeah. Because that could be a process of unraveling, too, because you need to assess, you need to measure, you need to do all of the um, intricacies of business to identify what's successful and what's not. Now, what would you say, and I know you have your your cheap book in front of you, but what would you say, and I and it's like the four Ps, right, of mm-hmm. our self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. So explain yes. these, explain this to everyone, <laughs> because I read, I was like, ooh, I definitely have two of those. Yes. So progress hijackers um, is what I call them. And I would say that they're coping mechanisms um, when we're in that self-sabotaging space. And so it's procrastination. Yes. We all experience it. Yes. It all happens. But it it really is based on a decision to actually say, you know what? I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to do it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perfectionism. That I don't have. (laughs) I do not have perfectionism. (laughs) For me, it actually relate to a lack of trust. I didn't trust yeah. anybody to really do anything for me because for the most part, I had to do it for myself. Oh. And so I'm like, okay, there is a right way to do this thing. And in some cases, it very much is. But I was making it harder for myself than it needed to be. Performance. Um, I had that uh, pretty hard because I wanted to show up and look a certain way and present myself a certain way, which I still do because I, I still have a standard of excellence that I want to exude. But I yes. had to like discern between, OK, what is the spirit of excellence versus me performing mm-hmm. um, and then people pleasing? Yes, I, I, I was was and weaning off being the yes girl. Yes. Um, even last year, somebody, you know, had spoken to me about, okay, Julie, so you have to start setting boundaries and saying no. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't do everything. And me, I, I just love people and love to be involved and mm-hmm. love to be engaged. Same thing. But then I get burnt out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, gosh, I don't like this. But it's because I keep saying yes. What helped me with the yes mm-hmm. and not saying it all the time mm-hmm. is because, because I do, I'm a social person. Mm-hmm. 
And I love being around other like-minded people. Mm -hmm. I feed off of that. Mm -hmm. And typically those that ask me to participate, we are of like mind. They Mm -hmm. know who I am. They want my participation. But what made me start saying no is if I knew where I was in my capacity, Mm -hmm. because then I know I would be letting them down. Mm -hmm. And I don't want their their minds to shift and change about my capabilities and my want to be there. Mm -hmm. So I'm very direct and upfront now of being like, I would love to, however, I don't have the capacity. Or if you want me to still participate, this is all that I'd be able to do. But don't worry, I'll support you. I'm here. Call me if you need me. Mm -hmm. Other ways in which I can help out with actually being full on in. Mm -hmm. I I think people, people who love people, people who care and want to serve others don't like to disappoint people. No. And so it's it's challenging to be able to set that boundary when originally you had not. Mm -hmm. And people have an expectation. Oh, she's going to say, yeah, she's going to want to do it. It's it's in her wheelhouse. But then when you say you know what, I have a lot on my plate. You know, if you want to catch me a month from now. Because then be, yeah. then you end up disappointing them. Yes. So it's it's one of those things that I had to learn. I want to stop disappointing people by me trying to please them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And or you'll find yourself or I have found myself getting agitated, frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like I have an attitude like it just. Yeah. It's not a happy place for me. <laughs> Especially if you combine that with your perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to want to control it all because yes. you know there's the right way to do it. Yes. Which is just going to get overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Lickety split overwhelming. Yes. yes. All the things. <laughs> I love it. So one of my favorite, and I am going to read this verbatim. Okay. You put this in the book, and I absolutely love it. I realized there was a clear difference between fact and truth. Fact gave me insight on my reality, whereas truth provided revelation to ownership of the things I can change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I mean, that just like really, that was at the beginning and truly set the tone mm-hmm. for the entire book of like, you have to face the fact of the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. But you also have to to accept your ownership, Mm -hmm. your truth to make the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we we often say that we're a product of our environment, which in some cases is true. Because when we grow up, there's very little that we have control over in our our dealings in life. Of course, we can control ourselves as individuals. Mm -hmm. We can influence others by way we connect with people and then there are just some things we have to adapt to like this weather yes oh my gosh <laughs> that's true we got to pull out our rain boots that's when you that say, we have put up god help me accept the things i cannot change right <laughs> that and so um i think the first step in healing is being truthful about where you are mm-hmm. that's looking at the reality but then also okay what am I supposed to learn in this season? Because for me, the reality was I'm a divorcee. Um, I'm literally starting over. Mm-hmm. But then the truth was I have an opportunity to get to know myself. And yeah. it's almost you have to frame it in the positive because you're the only one who can really 
dictate how you see things, how you respond, because there's a difference between how you react and how you respond. Mm -hmm. Reaction is very impulsive. Um, It's very feelings driven. And when you think about feelings, they really only last a few minutes. Yes. Um, But a response is very thoughtful, very considerate, very taking a beat and breathing through whatever it is that you're dealing with. I I couldn't agree more. And for for those that try to pressure you into a response mm-hmm. instantaneously, you hold your ground. Mm-hmm. Be- oh, you have to. Because otherwise you are just emotionally reacting mm-hmm. instead of going through the thoughtful process that they don't realize, but they deserve. Mm-hmm. They deserve that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you, whole other thing you deal with with narcissism, the ones that press you. Mm-hmm. for a response are the ones that want your reaction so that they can feed into oh. that and feed themselves too to if it's not gaslighting if it's not yeah. making you feel like wait am i wrong for this am i it makes you question who you are and doubt how you're showing up yeah so. i never thought about that mm-hmm. i'm thinking about every person that has tried to pressure <laughs> me into giving them an immediate answers mm-hmm. And that I, and which I have, I have grown in myself mm-hmm. to start saying, no, I need, I'll get back to you on this because mm-hmm. you are right. That is what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. trying to pressure and get that tidbit so then they can utilize it mm-hmm. at another time. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that was really good. And it's so, that was very enlightening. <laughs> so <laughs> you also threw out the book, getting back to the book, mm-hmm. you also threw out the book have your acronyms. Yes, I love them. <laughs> I do love acronyms too. Um, and ready is is the first one that you go through. Mm-hmm. And that is really like determining when you're, you're ready to make the shift and the tra- change. Mm-hmm. If anything, looking at the facts yes. and being ready for your truth mm-hmm. to make the change. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, I, I even talk about in the book that how this came about. I, I took what I like to call get away with God and kind of separated myself kind of from everything because I wanted to get some insight, some understanding about what was next. And it was at the end of uh, 2021. And um, the acronym, it just dropped in my spirit. I'm like, oh, I need to write this down. And then as I started to explore it a bit more, I was realizing that season was my release season because that's the R of the yes. ready. And I had to release certain expectations. I had to release control. I had to release my past because those are the areas that were keeping me stuck, keeping me in a place of stagnation to where I wouldn't be receptive to the oncoming change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the embrace part, affirming the truth about my situation for me also God's word, speaking that over my life, um, gave me some discipline, which was... Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a little challenging for me because I'm, I would call myself in some ways a, a free spirit. Like I like to kind of flow how I like to flow um, and dedicate time in certain areas that give me the most joy. And then things that I just kind of want to go through quickly, like an email or whatever. I kind of like to do that. But discipline really helped me to gain some structure uh, around my day and give me if anything, that much more control. What are some things that you did for discipline? For discipline, um, I actually talk about it at the very end of the book for um, what I call the self-made routine. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started to be more intentional about how I set the tone of my day. So that looked like identifying um, a word 
a word that described either what I wanted my day to look like or what I, I wanted to experience throughout my day. Then I generated some elements of gratitude, like, okay, let me write down three things that I'm I saw that. grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, thinking optimistically, okay, like if I had a goal for the day, what is it that I want to achieve? At least the one thing that I want to put in place. Um, and I also have uh, written a few other books, but specifically I would go to my devotional and read um a passage from the devotional, answer a few questions just to kind of, like I said, set the tone of my day. Of course, that included like going to the gym and yes. prayer and different things like that. But that really gave me really some enthusiasm um, about, okay, how am I going to move forward for the day? Um, some other things that I am implemented uh, was time blocking because mm-hmm. I noticed if I don't keep track of my time, I'll be on social media all day. <laughs> I am not good at time blocking. I've attempted it. It is... I'm not, I'm a list person. Okay. So I will list everything from work that I need to get accomplished to home that I need to get accomplished Mm -hmm. to self, self exercising health. Mm -hmm. I, and to also pleasure. Mm -hmm. Like I will list everything. Like if it's me doing it, like drawing for a little bit, reading for a little bit, whatever, like provides that fun as well for me mm-hmm. like part of my hobbies I will list it out too okay that's yep. that but time I, blocking I'm not good at I do list too um what is um there is a book I want to say it's called the one thing and like identifying literally one thing and three priorities and okay working to execute that and so I have tried I've tried oh my goodness a little bit of everything one of the things that actually was really helpful helpful for me was the 12-week year to help me execute it's um, Brian Moran and there's another he has a co-author but basically how to not necessarily execute what you would in a year in 12 weeks but breaking it down in such a way to where you have three priorities that you're looking to fulfill in those three weeks and and literally measuring your progress along the way where there's percentage and all the things it's phenomenal that's intense and you've done that yes and it's great now granted i'm I made it harder for myself because I just naturally do that. Make things harder for myself. Um, but it is one thing that I'm as I'm in this kind of season of transition, I'm wanting to implement again okay. because I was able to complete. I, I talk about actually I talk about it in the book. I was able to complete my book. Mm-hmm. I was able to um, uh, hit some weight loss objectives. Um, I literally got my pass, my renewed passport in the mail this week. So nice. all of the, I was able to execute on the things that I had um, yes. wanted to get done within that 12 weeks. And so it worked out. It's, it, it works. There's evidence. That is awesome. <laughs> so you actually even did the percentages of like your progression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I'll, I'm picturing like, you know, for fundraisers, the <laughs> thermometer. Yeah. Of it going up. Is mm-hmm. that is that something that you, is that what it well, was? Well, it was more so, for example, I had a commitment of writing at least 500, 500 600 words a day. Okay. And or if I needed to break that down based on my week, I would, I would uh, expand that over the course of a week. I, I okay. can't remember the numbers. But that's how I was able to track it. If I got 200 words done, that was half. That was 50%. So it was kind of... That I way. like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Now, time blocking, no, because life <laughs> is just too crazy. And I've learned not to, I, I've learned 
that as much as I want my time to be my time to do the things I want to get done, in reality, that is just not the case. Mm -hmm. It's just not. So that's why I don't time block because then it's like, oh, there I'm not spending this time doing what I thought I was going to be doing for Mm -hmm. myself. It's now this person's time. Mm -hmm. But And I think the reason why it works for me is because I'm balancing um, corporate as well as business. Mm -hmm. And so in my corporate space, it's a lot easier because I need to be at work at these certain hours. Mm -hmm. So my job is very autonomous. So I have creativity to kind of manipulate how I want. But I'll get in a rabbit trail of research about... Gosh, intersectionality mm-hmm. and diversity in the yeah. different areas. So. so in the corporate world, <laughs> do you do the DEI yes. training for education for various different corporations or just the one are you spearheading? Well, no. For um, corporate, I'm actually a program manager over our what's called recognized student organization. So our honor okay. societies, academic societies, okay. it just falls under the Office of Educational Equity. Okay. So I partner with um, like my supervisor and her counterpart. They are, uh, uh, you can call them trainers, but they facilitate the various workshops, webinars and things they host. They actually bring in different speakers and things to facilitate. Okay. But I just have found just in my own awareness, because I don't want to call it irony, but I was finding myself getting into these spaces of having these uncomfortable conversations. And it started when I was in grad school. I was the um, grad assistant for our diversity initiatives program. And so I was a part of these difficult conversations early on. I got out because I'm like, "Eh, I'm a little uncomfortable. Like, really? Yeah, because it, it, I, I love I love the difficult un- uncomfortable <laughs> conversations. I, it it was it was challenging because I was really trying to grapple with a few things with my faith, and and just kind of being in that space. But I'm like, okay, Christ said to love. Yes, correct. At the end of the day, my role is to love wish, on people. I wish everybody realized that. <laughs> Not everybody realizes that. I, to, but I do also understand there are for myself and how I live my life expectations, standards mm-hmm. and things that I live by that are true for me, according to what scripture says. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I'm going to present myself in that way. And and I was just having challenges with having certain conversations and not uh, projecting, well, this is what you should do. Well, no, this is how I'm living now, if how I live piques your interest, I'm happy to share, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. So speaking of religion, there is religion throughout this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, granted, I went to Catholic schools from <laughs> kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, have a, like, I'm. I'm not as religious as maybe because it was kindergarten through 12th grade, but <laughs> but I'm not that religious. Now, I, reading through this book, thought it was still very beautiful. Mm-hmm. But for those that would are apprehensive mm-hmm. or of a different religion, mm-hmm. I, I think that they need to understand it to see beyond. Yes. And and take out what what they need to take out from this yes. book. And, and I, that's the soul work. Yes. Yes. And. It's about relationship, most of it. Mm-hmm. Relationship with yourself, yes. relationship of with 
whatever divinity or Mm -hmm. lack thereof that you ascribe to it's it's how can you be so true to yourself and which you are very true to yourself in this book and i think that's beautiful yes so yeah it it that's at the core I, i believe it can be um fulfilled outside of the faith that described that's described in there but for me the fullness of the experience Mm -hmm. is with Christ, with relationship, you know, with God. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're trying to show. Mm -hmm. You're trying to have other people feel your story Mm -hmm. and how you got to the place that you're at. And that was a very significant part of it. Mm -hmm. And you also have in your book, the uniqueness combination of three parts, body, soul, and spirit to our idea, our image, and our valued self. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just there's just so much beauty throughout this book. But when you state that, mm-hmm. when like I'm just take us through the part where where you wrote that out. And did you tear up a little bit writing that out? You know, I started to think about purpose mm-hmm. um, and what I do know what would help me. And that, that's the first strategy with disrupting self-sabotage is realizing that you are my understanding uh, is that you are made up of three parts, your body, your physical mm-hmm. body, flesh, uh, the things that are a- animalistic of yes. in nature yes. uh, about yourself, your soul, which is a combination of your mind, your will and your, your emotions. And then your spirit, that that intuition, that knowing, that certainty uh, in, a, in a sense, a kind, of, kind of a sovereignty that you have that's connected to a divinity or not whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But I knew that. And what I realized is that if I want wanted to be spirit led, then I needed to make sure that I fed my spirit more than I did my flesh, more animalistic self. Yeah. Because everybody likes pleasure. Oh, yeah. However, outside of what I would say the right context, when it's just greed, when it's excessive, when it's overbearing, we can hurt ourselves and hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so to be spirit led, it means that the middle ground is my soul. So where is my soul in the middle between my body and my spirit? And if I want to be spirit led, then I have to do what's necessary to get my mind, my my will and my emotions into a place that's connected more so to my spirit. So that means I have to manage it well. I have to control it well. I can't, again, be reactive. Yeah. I have to be responsive. Um, I have to be really um, grounded in my motives. Like, am I am, am I doing this because, ooh, I want to get the limelight. I want to be seen. Yeah. I want to be this. Or am I doing this because I genuinely care for people and I seek to serve them and to, um, for me, advance the kingdom of God, show yeah. people the, the love of God through what I do and through service. And so otherwise, if it's the opposite way, your body and your soul, it's kind of like a conspiracy against your flesh. And it's like, woo, party all the time. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it, you could can have fun. a fun life. It could be fun for a little. Right. Let's, let's be real. It's to, it's, it, 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 it can be. It really can. But like what is. But a short term. Yes. What is the long term effect? Um, because if, if I partied like I did in college all my life, man. 
Well, first, of, first of all, we we were able to handle it a lot better in college than we can now. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So there is that. Agreed. Agreed. So what would you say, like, a really, like, the, the whole self-sabotage and then the readiness, is is this, like, a, an instantaneous or it is, is this gradual, like, aching feeling that you have in you until you finally, it starts becoming louder and louder for you to realize that you always knew, Mm -hmm. like you do. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like all of us know Mm -hmm. deep down that there needs to be a change. Yes. That that your actions are hurting yourself. Yes. Are are preventing your potential Mm -hmm. and your connectivity to your community. Like, we... We know deep down that that's happening with us. Mm-hmm. But the progression of getting to that realization, yes, um, the truth mm-hmm. of of ourselves that we need to make the change. Because mm-hmm. I do. I feel like I, like I hate to say it, but I feel like <laughs> what is it? 12-step process of yeah, like yeah. that the whole like I'm admitting mm-hmm. that I have this problem. Mm-hmm. And... The admitting part, while they say is very difficult, I feel like the next step is even more difficult. Yeah. Like, you can easily say I'm an alcoholic and still go to the bar and drink. Yes. See, it's so funny uh, that you say that admitting because they're beyond the soul work process embedded are other processes. So what I've realized when people decide to do the soul work, it first starts in the area of avoidance. Mm -hmm. They're avoiding something that they have yet to address, but there is a knowing. So then you come to that place of awareness. Mm -hmm. Then from there, you get to admittance and finally accepting, okay, this change is necessary. And then the rocky middle is, okay, there's some adjustment that needs to be made. Who do I need to help me support in this adjustment? Exactly. And surrounding yourself with those people, because there is, there's the fear Mm -hmm. of who you will be Mm -hmm. after letting go. Yes. And there's also the intimidation of the work it takes to get there. Yes. And it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And, And healing is a process. I think we, there are different levels to healing, especially because we're not living the same day the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, very much true. <laughs> so we have to be open to opportunities to heal. And I, I believe even that ready process, mm-hmm. I, I try to do it quarterly because there's some stuff I got to let go that yep. cannot move forward with me in, in who I am today from yesterday. In general, this is so important for us to do the work and mm-hmm. how we show up in anything in life. Mm-hmm. Be- yes. And I, I think about that, especially as women, especially as a black woman mm-hmm. navigating the business world, mm-hmm. whether you're women owned or whether you're trying to like climb the corporate ladder, yes. finding our space, doing this work helps us lead not being like a man. Right. Not being like another woman in the office that seems to get elevated. Correct. But just being who we are and knowing our true core essence and what we provide. Yes. That's what I love about this. Yes. Because when we're authentic, not only are we better advocates for ourselves, but we're better advocates for others. And then we grow to appreciate the Mm -hmm. contributions of others. That's right. 
I mean, at the end of the day, the soul work process is for us to become self-made, to master our mind, will, and emotions, and to become our best advocate. So you have soul work coach as yes. part. So is this <laughs> something that you do independently off to the side? Yes. Because you know you're not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that is, uh, this book helped me really to niche down, for lack of better words. It's important to niche. Yes. Um, and, and I went through a program that helped me to bring it all together to where I am building out coaching programs. I am currently taking on one-on-one clients uh, for those who want to go through the soul work with some level of accountability, um, eventually transitioning into a group setting because mm-hmm. I can create a course in self-study and all the things. But I think for those who are the high achieving, um, especially those who are women of faith, who I'm this book is mostly called to, they've done the self-study. They've mm-hmm. done the, and they, they've invested the money and then half of them didn't show up because I was that person. Mm-hmm. I need the accountability yes. to help me through the process. And it's like, hey girl, I'm here. <laughs> I think having somebody there to hold you accountable, yes. not not just give you the work, mm-hmm. but follow up with you afterwards to make sure yes. that the work is done. Yes. Like we all need that. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what level in life you're at. Correct. If you don't have anybody holding you accountable for your actions or the things that you want want to achieve, mm-hmm. it's going to take you, if, if you even get there, mm-hmm. a hell of a long time to get there. And I believe accountability is twofold. And I kind of talk about just that a little bit in the book is that you have to make a promise to yourself. If you don't make a promise mm-hmm. to yourself that you're going to do the thing, then it's going to be nagging and annoying mm-hmm. When that accountability person comes around to reinforce it. So if you don't make that promise to commit to do the thing, regardless of who is in your corner to support you, accountability won't work. So let's talk about choice versus decision. Yes. (laughs) Choice versus decision. Uh, Choice is your intention, your desire. Choice is kind of like if you think of a New Year's resolution, Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to do this thing so I can have a better 2024 or Mm -hmm. 2023 since we're here. Yeah. Whereas a decision is eliminating all options. It is an action. It is uh, the consequence. It is the thing. Um, It's, you know, you're getting ready for the gym. You got two shoe options. Those are choices. You have two choices. Mm -hmm. But the shoe that you put on, that's the decision that you made that you're going to get yourself to the gym. I love it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. So Jalissa, Lisa, oh my goodness. (laughs) Jalissa is going to be coming to us in person. Yes. In September. Yes, ma'am. And you are going to tell us all the things Mm -hmm. about our soul work. Yes. Having the uncomfortable conversations. Yes. Sharing with us even more. Mm -hmm. So I hope that everyone is able to attend. You could take the details at dandelion-inc.com. And for anybody who would like to order the book beforehand. Yes. You can purchase the book at www.soulworkthebook.com. And um, read it and then be ready, prepared for your questions, yes. sharing, mm-hmm. and, and adding your unique perspective. For sure. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to The Seed. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, 
go to dandelion-inc.com and click Let's Connect. And please be sure to subscribe to the Seeds Monthly Podcast to hear more inspiring stories from other badass women that are all around us. Remember, behind every woman is a tribe of other successful women who have their back. To you all, thank you.